Welcome to Aircrew Interview, I'm Mike Young, your host. This is part one of our very first episode of our new side series, Happy Hour. In this episode, I chat with Paul Foucanard in his very own crew room, and we chatted very kindly about everything from flying the Chinook, the actual scene, social media, and much more over a few drinks of Foo's choice. Greco. So yeah, this is our first uh, episode of Happy Hour, so uh, cheers Phil. Cheers. And uh, thanks for inviting me. No, you're more than welcome. Uh, so we're basically just going to be chatting aviation, you know, sitting down, mm-hmm. no uh, set questions like we were before. But uh, yeah, before we get into things, what's been what's been happening since uh, about two years ago, was it now? Well, so two years we did the um, we did the gig up at uh, out the museum. Yeah. So we've done a couple of Q and A's, which both been really good fun. Yeah. I popped in on uh, on Justin Payne's Q and A the other week just yeah, to say sorry, hi. Yeah. Uh, he's Justin's an old mate of mine, so it's good. I, I, you know, I drop in on ones where I think I could add some value. I knew that he was going to take the Mickey out of helicopters at some stage. So yeah, I was so just, was he, um, they're not needed anymore. <laughs> they're not needed. And, and I was going to off. And and yeah, and he's absolutely right. I mean, one of the, some of the work I've done with with NATO in the advisory groups is looking at exactly that thing. Yeah, the helicopter. Yeah. Even if you were to, yeah, you go out and buy the most cutting edge rotorcraft now. So you buy something like an H one sixty Airbus, or you buy even a, a new Blackhawk. Yeah. There's a limit of forward speed, and your limit of forward speed is about 160, 170 knots. Is that pushing you, it? Or? That that, that yeah. is realistically as fast as you're going right. to take a conventional helicopter. And he's absolutely right. You know, um, so that that mechanical, it's a very inefficient way. Mm. Um, a, uh, a test pilot, Sikorsky, explained it to me in the states last year when I was talking to him about it, and he said, "The thing about helicopters, a helicopter is designed to hover, and just like Jif said, where he said." All you do is you effectively move it off the mm-hmm. hover and you keep moving it away from the hover. But it's mm-hmm. natural state. So a helicopter wants to hover. And if you look at something like a V-22, a V-22 wants to fly. It doesn't like hovering. Oh, so that's not its natural state. It's not its natural state. Right. So the V-22 is very is reasonably efficient in mm-hmm. the cruise, but it's actually quite inefficient in the hover because it's under-rotored for the hover. Right. Didn't know so that. it has a very, very high downforce because mm-hmm. it has a very low rotor area. Yeah. So it has what we call a huge disc loading. Right. So in terms of downwash, it's probably more severe than a Chinook. Really? Yeah, probably wow. more severe than a Merlin as well. Have you seen one in person? Or? Yeah, 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 they are brutal. Have you been in one? No, no, I've Do got close, like yes. <laughs> it's on the list of aeroplanes I'd like to I'd like to fly. Yeah. Um, I keep trying to, I've got a couple of mates at Bell, so um, I keep trying to sneak myself into get the uh, into the simulator, if nothing else, I'll go in the sim. I'm sure you get but, there. But uh, yeah, no, it's great. So it's, you know, it's a, he's absolutely right. So I've done a bit of that. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I've done some more work. I work for a number of different companies. Obviously, I run my own consultancy. So I've done plenty of consultancy. Uh, been all around the world with NATO. Um, uh, write for I write for Heliops magazine yeah, in, yeah. Um, in New Zealand. I didn't know you knew uh, Kip Morton because you kind of give each other banter sometimes. I've, like. I've never met Kip. Have you not? You just no, seem no. to like uh, uh, gel quite but well. What it is, what it is, is <clears throat> there's all the, the Air Force. So you, you have you have. I'm not going to call it hierarchies. I'm, going to, I'm not going to call it swim lanes because that sounds yeah. awfully like a staff officer and I was never a very good one of those. But what you've got is you've got like the RAF. Mm-hmm. The RAF is a club. Yeah, yeah. Military aviators in the UK is a club. It's like a Venn diagram. Yeah, yeah. You keep interacting at various levels. And so I've never actually, I don't, not far to my knowledge, I may well have been in a bar with Kip at some stage at an air point, show yeah. or, or, yeah. or being on a course with him somewhere at Cranwell or the Air Warfare Centre or somewhere. But, but when you, you see somebody, you think, yeah, he's got exactly the same thoughts and this yeah, that I yeah. have, then the banter flies. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and particularly when, you know, yeah, Kip comes from a, a JAG background, yeah. which is, you know, that, you know, it's, it's not a bad aeroplane for a leaf blower. <laughs> um, 
it's and but that's just banter that's the banter behind it you know you, it, yeah. you have to respect that and you know obviously i didn't do well enough at school ended up flying helicopters you know i wouldn't say that it's... but <laughs> it, but it's but that's the banter yeah yeah of course and, and that's the way the banter has always been mm-hmm. so so kip and i we've never never shook hands with a bloke yeah but we'd probably bump into each other in a bar have a beer yeah, right, and right, yeah. within an hour and a half you've told each other a whole mm-hmm. load of grossly inflated and exaggerated <laughs> yeah. war stories about how great you were yeah and how great we were exactly, not how great yeah. we are <laughs> and do you think um because i always wonder like it's probably the same in uh you know normal uh, jobs and stuff like that but is it like do you get on with most guys when you're in the service or is it some people you just think oh, i'm not really liking them it's a really interesting really interesting question uh, and what's interesting about it is you think that you'd all be the same because you're selected that's what i always thought when i started so you're it, selected yeah. but the selection is mainly about aptitude and the aptitude can be about any number of things the interview is very subjective right and i've given the interview i've interviewed when i was holding on the university air squadron for people that were going to join the uas so i've I've done the interview a load of times and i've been a guinea pig at a training course people Mm -hmm. giving the rf interview so you get an incept they take you through the interview and say well this is why we ask this question this is why we ask that and yeah they're looking for depending on which branch they look for slightly different personality traits. Yeah. But society is is broad. The yeah. human genome yeah. is, is surprisingly broad, considering yeah. how much DNA we share. Yeah. And there will always be people on a on a unit, people on a squadron, <laughs> people on a station, people on a force that you just don't get on with. Yeah. And that's and it happens. Now it's very rare that you end up with a personality clash so bad that you physically can't work with can't, them, can't work with them. Right. but i'll give you an example when we um when we sat down about i don't know a month or so before gulf war ii started yeah we sat on hms art royal bubbing up and down the northern arabian gulf i was the training officer on 18 squadron and i sat down as the training officer with the flight commander squadron boss and the crewman leader mm-hmm. uh, and the and the main instructor the qhi and the four of us sat round, five of us sat around a table in the wardroom at um on art royal and we crewed up the squadron. Mm-hmm. We said, right, these are the guys we've got. We want to get them into a, you know, a bit like Eddie Eddie Jones has just done with the England rugby team. Yeah, we yeah. want to we want to get them. We want to make sure everybody knows yep. who they're paired up with, so they can start flying together more. We'll program them to fly together. Yeah. And lots of things that you look at when you're pairing people up. You're looking at, you know, you start with right, who's the most experienced guys at this end? Who's the LCR guys that have literally just come off the OCU? Because we had three or four of those guys who took the war with us. Like yeah. two months off the OCU, they're flying night AR five missions off an aircraft. Were carrier. they ready for that? Uh, well, that was my job. Yes. <laughs> so we didn't crash any aeroplanes. Yeah, so I yeah, guess yeah. the answer is yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but what we did was we we said right, if you're fresh off the OCU, you fly with the most experienced guy. Yeah. So and um, so that was one of the ways we worked in toward the, towards the middle. But but we at every stage, mm-hmm. we said personality. Right. Really? Are those people? Are they? You know, we say right. So. Pilot X, pilot Y, right? Pilot X, you know, 3,000 hours, QHI, really experienced. Pilot Y, 500 hours on type, bit of a wide boy or whatever, or mm-hmm. he's a bit quiet, right? So he's a bit quiet, he's a bit loud. No names, but mm-hmm. everybody in 18 squadrons going, I know those two are. <laughs> um, who do we, you know, are they going to go well together? No, they're not. Well, let's just move him out one and him in one. And that way, right. oh, those two now look a bit of match. So you do put personality into it because personality is really important. Yeah, well, I mean, the, you know, I mean, you talked to Rich Graham. I went and had a, yeah, yeah. I went and had a few. I had a very nice bottle of wine with Rich Graham at his oh, house right, in, yeah. in Dallas a few years back, and um, we chatted about. I mean, in fact, I wanted to go and talk about um, uh, Wild Weasel stuff because you might have seen some of the books. Yeah, and yeah. I'm a, 
I'm an electronic warfare instructor. I do a lot of time with EW, and he'd been a weasel pilot in Vietnam. Yeah. So he said, you're about one of the only few people that's come to my house and want to talk about phantoms. You don't want to talk about the SR-71. I said, well, I know. We'll just chat, you know, a glass of wine. That's we'll so strange. Like, let's, talk, let's, remember, talk about the, let's talk about the phantom. I'm really interested in your weasel tour. I remember you telling me that, and I was like, that's a really... Because, yeah, you went to his house in, uh, in America, and I was yeah. like, that's, that's a really odd connection right there. Yeah. I mean, I mean, aviation's a small community, yeah. but... Really nice guy, yeah. Lovely but, uh, bloke, lovely bloke. I think he's um, back in the UK. I think he spends quite a lot. Of yeah, time he's got here. he's got a place in the UK and a place in Dallas. Yeah, yeah. But, so let's talk about the Chinook display. What do you what have you thought of it recently? Uh, is it one year you thought it's better than the other uh, in terms of like uh, just <clears throat> that's really that's skill. a really that's a I don't want to get you in trouble, but uh, <laughs> really, I always love it. I'll, it's I'll, a really entry. I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, the first bit of banter I've got to get in because it's JT is that I still am amazed he can actually get full deflection on the pedals. Um, <laughs> But um, it, it, it's different. The, you know, the display has changed over the years because the aircraft has changed. Yeah. Um, so the aircraft is, yeah, I would, and yeah, you know, I've not displayed the, I've displayed the aeroplane once, and then I rolled demo at Eastbourne once, um, which was just basically me flinging the aeroplane around uh, a bit, which is kind of sums up most of my flying career, in fairness. <laughs> um, and um, you know, it's the, the the move. I haven't. I've only flown the DAFX and the simulator, the digital flight control system that the yeah. new aeroplane's got. And it is different. Mm -hmm. So uh, the fact that I think that that they've, the boys have been able to put on such a good display this year is is is, is encouraging. Yeah, yeah. But because they'll still be learning about what you do and what you can't mm -hmm. do with DAFIX. and you know the aeroplane is more instrumented than it used to be. It will tell. You know, there's now a spy in the cab. Uh, lots of stuff. When I was flying the aeroplane, was a visually judged or an estimated. Right. So um, you know we had an angle bank limit of sixty degrees, but in the book it said a visually judged angle about and if i'm looking out the window because i'm cause that's the way you need to look i'm not looking at the air, a, attitude indicator no, no. and you know every now and then it might just slightly Slay. exceed 60 degrees angle <laughs> bank but now the airplane yeah. it, it, you know it tell it, it, you download it it tells you exactly what you've done yeah so i think that the the fact the fact is and i'm not a display pilot i have to absolutely caveat this but the airplane is there the, the display is done to show off the airplane not the pilot Right, yeah, yeah. And the display, in my mind, and I, I'm quite, having seen a number of crashes at air shows over the years, unfortunately, um, where I think some of them maybe the, the pilot was, was displaying himself mm -hmm. rather than necessarily displaying the aeroplane that he was flying, or she was flying, that, that actually the crowd are there to see, feel, and hear the aeroplane. That's the star of the show, isn't it? And that's the, the star of the show. Plane. And actually, the, the beauty about, you know, the beauty and the curse of the Chinook is that at a small venue, it's brilliant because you can keep that noise. It's got a massive presence. Right, yeah. right in front of a yeah. relatively small crowd all the time mm -hmm. because it's really easy to do. Mm -hmm. I imagine, you know, I would imagine that d displaying at somewhere like Riyadh, where you've got a two-mile crowd line. It's quite big, yeah. Is you are sitting there going 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. Look at the runway markers go by again and pull up. Because you, cause you're having to, otherwise you'd end up in this tiny little bowl in the middle. Yeah. yeah. Which is the opposite challenge for a fast jet, of course. Because a fast jet, a small venue, certainly something like, yeah, I'm gonna obviously, you know, I'm gonna annoy you. I'm gonna something like the F3, for example. Oh. Whoosh gone. Oh dear. It'll be back in a minute. Triggered. Don't worry about it. Triggered. <laughs> um, but always a challenge for a jet like yeah. the F3, which, which being polite was not renowned for its turning performance. Yeah. The Jaguar is exactly the same. Yeah. Um, you know, even a lightweight jet. It's difficult. Yeah, it hasn't got the wing to be able to to, to comfortably all the power to weight ratio yeah, yeah. to comfortably stay inside inside those small venues. Now, Typhoon's getting there. 
Mm -hmm. Typhoon has got, you know, F-22, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it could probably do its entire display. I've seen one in... <laughs> yeah, it's impressive, yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm very glad I'm not flying anymore when I saw that thing fly for the first yeah, time. It's, yeah. And, you know, the first time I did air combat against a Typhoon, it was, it, it was a revelation. It was like, yeah. oh, wow, it's like a hawk on steroids. Yeah. It, it, you know, yeah. It was really, it was just... Compared to the F3, compared to the GR1, compared to the was Jag. Like, would you say it was a huge leap forward? Like, Massive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, the, Some people the still nose, say it's, like the, a, it's a bit of a, I don't know, it's still a fourth jet generation aircraft. It's not really the leap like people think well, from the F3. Compared to the F3, well, <clears throat> it depends what you're looking at. In terms of dynamic, yeah, from my looking out the window, yeah. when I was fighting, uh, fighting an F3, mm -hmm. I would be worried about very different things when I was fighting a Typhoon. Yeah. So the threat does change. When the threat, yeah. because particularly inside the visual regime. Yeah. Because inside the visual regime, the Typhoon was just so much more capable. But I think you had a trip so, in an F3, didn't you? No, no. I, I, I thought you went up on no, something. No, 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 no. I think no, you did. No, 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 no I'm not going to get grumpy. But I'm, <laughs> the, um, I'm the world's unluckiest person when it comes to fast jet trips. I thought you were... Uh, uh, maybe I got so that wrong. So I've, I've um, never had a fast jet trip. No. No. I... I um, you did Tikarno, uh, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I did Tikarno's. Uh, yeah, I got did, did, did tin cans. Um, yeah. Got single seat recommend out of Tikarno's. Yeah. Got sent helicopters along with most yeah. of us at the time. And the only fast jet trip I've turned down was actually at the end of my Tikarno course. Because the um, at Linton, there was a 20 squadron, I think it was 20 squadron at the time, brought a whole load of Harriers up for mm -hmm. a um, OCU sort of deployment. Yeah. You know, wow, you know, Cottesmore to... Or where it was wittering to Linton. That's a deployment. Well done, boys. Uh, <laughs> and anyway, and the the boss came in one day, like about three days after we'd all been to helicopters, apart from a couple of guys who were very good. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. The best two or three guys on the course went yeah. went went fast jet. Absolutely. No 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 question about mm -hmm. that. And um, oh, good news, guys. Good news. Um, Harry Harry Deck Commander said like, he can get you all thirty minutes in the back of a T bird. And um, I sort of went up to the boss and I said. I'd, <clears throat> Don't want to do it. What do you mean? You don't want to go in a Harrier? I'm trying to go in a Harrier. I said, yeah. I said, you just told me three days ago that I'm going to helicopters. If you send me, if I go and spend 30 minutes in the back of a Harrier now, it, it's a bit like, you know, it's bully special prize in, yeah, in Bullseye, yeah. isn't it? It's come and see what you could have <laughs> yeah, won. Yeah. It's like, oh, thank, oh, thanks. So you've now, you've, you know, you've just crushed my childhood dreams of, you know, I've already had them crushed because you've, you get to retire the Buccaneer and the Phantom, the two jets I actually wanted to fly. Yeah, yeah. You've you've crushed that already, uh, and now you've just now you've now you've made me sweat blood to get to the end of the Carno course. And now do you regret this? And now and now you're suddenly saying no, I don't. You don't actually. I don't. No, I, I don't. I don't regret it at all. Because uh, you, you don't you don't know what you you can't miss what you don't know. Correct. So that's the only jet <clears throat> trip I've turned down. I've right. lost I've lost Jag trips because I was a UAS guy on summer camp the wrong week. The guy the guys either side of me. Got two Jag trips and a Hunter trip each, mm -hmm. so I missed a Hunter trip and I missed a Jag trip. Mm -hmm. Just so I went and lost him off the wrong week. Uh, anybody was on block leave. Um, I've lost a JP trip because the guy in front of me threw up, and contaminated <laughs> all the seat webbing. Lovely. Uh, and I lost four Hawk trips on when I was instructing on the um, on the OEU, instructing on the tactics course. Right. Because what used to happen, we used to try and get all the cadet, all the all the students, trainees. Yeah. In the back of the hawk to see air combat from the jet's point of view. Yeah, yeah. So they would, we would put them in the back of one of the um, back of one of the, the jets, and we'd fight the jet. So mm -hmm. they'd see it. Oh, right, I understand now. And every time it was my turn to do that, just from the instructor's point of view, so I could see it as an instructor and yeah, yeah. then relate to it. Somebody failed a trip. 
uh, and most of QHTI courses I instructed, and I was a senior Chinook instructor. Right. So if a Chinook guy failed a trip, they had a refly with me. So I've sat there three or four times in a Chinook teaching somebody else's student, <laughs> while the instructor, who's, who quite rightly has failed the guy because yeah. or the girl because they they mucked up the previous trip, is sat in the back of the hall fighting against it. It's like, oh, I should be, <laughs> be me. It should be me. It should be me. <laughs> Uh, and then um, I had to turn down about three Alpha Jet trips because every you know I had a couple of guys down at Fast Jet Test that I used to know like very well. Yeah. And um, Alpha Jet still fly uh, with Kinetic? No, they've just gone. Have they gone? Right. Yeah, they've just recapitalised. Right. Um, but yeah, when they were down there at Fidgets, we used Fidgets quite a lot as, as aggressors. If we yeah. didn't get 100 squad, and we'd phone up uh, Willie Hackett and Co down at Fidgets, and um, and Willie used to phone me. I said, Hey, I'm going up here. Do you want to come back see the Alpha Jet? And it's like. No, I'm, I'm actually in America at a really exciting meeting talking about Bowman radios. But no, thanks for the offer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, so, right. I'm, I'm good. Now. So I'm, I am the world's unluckiest person in terms of ever getting a jet trip. I've never flown a jet. So the ironic thing is, I, you know, I flew a guy. I flew a lot with a, a guy who was a navigator. He'd, um, he'd actually been chopped from pilot training, mm -hmm. but he actually, he's got more jet hours than I have as a pilot, even though he ended oh. up in the backseat of a tornado first. Because he actually he actually got chopped off jet provosts, so, oh. so, so he he often reminds me about the fact that you know oh, of course I've got more jet more jet pilot yeah. time than you. But you love that. Yeah, yeah. So is everybody pretty much. <laughs> but but as with most things with aviation though, it, it, it swings and roundabouts because yeah. if you now talk to guys who are going straight through to helicopters and even get, they never even touch Takano. Really? No. So these guys, so it's and for years now, for about four or five, if not longer, maybe 10, 12 years. But that was standard in your time. You yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, the standard, yeah. the, I mean, I, I did the old gold standard REF training, which was, you know, you, you were assessed how many hours you had. I had about, I had just over 100 when I joined the Air Force through a flying scholarship mm -hmm. and through flying the Bulldog on, on the University Air Squadron. Yeah. Uh, I did the Jeff's course only because they needed guinea pigs to go back around and mm -hmm. prove it. Um, but then your Takano's, basic flying training, fast jet leading, extra sort of 40 hours on the end doing, mm -hmm. you know, more pseudo tactical mm -hmm. flying. Um, and then, yeah, then you were streamed at, everybody was streamed at the end of, technically everybody used to be streamed at the end of basic flying training. So if you're a stream fast jet, you do fast jet leading. If you go multi-engine, do multi-engine leading, which might be a load of IF. Yeah. Uh, and probably, I don't know, dairy cream sponge eating or something. Uh, and then if you were <laughs> getting helicopters, you went straight to helicopters. Because yeah. there's no point in flying anymore, um, fixed yeah. wing. Um, but now they stream you on, I presume, tutor and shortly prefect. Yeah, yeah. The, and so you won't touch the you won't touch the Takano for another well, couple of months. It's got left. Yeah. Uh, and you won't touch the the Texan unless you stream fast jet. Yeah, Texans. That's just come in, hasn't yeah. it? Recently. And we've yeah. done that for ten, twelve years. So at least you know, at least I got one hundred and sixty odd hours flying the Takano, mm -hmm. which was. Which you have was, a patch from that because obviously I'll take some pictures for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, got, he's got his air so, patches up there. So there, there you go. Uh, I'll take one now while we're. So there's Takano course up there. It's a bit like when you when you set your own company up, naming your company, it takes longer to work out what you're going to call it than yeah. it is to actually set it all up. Yeah. And a patch is exactly the same thing. It takes weeks. You're all moaning at each other, going, "Oh, we can't have that yeah. rubbish." Or oh, somebody else has done that. Oh, that's yeah, a yeah, rip yeah. off. <laughs> so course patches are an absolute nightmare. Yeah. Right then. So we've had a gin and tonic. We've mm -hmm. had a gin and tonic. We've had a, um, a gin martini. Right. Uh, we could have a beer or we could have something I'm a guest in your house, I'm gonna let you choose. Right, well let's have let's have a let's have a shot of whiskey, shall we? Shot of whiskey, go for it. And we'll have fat. Yes, yeah, all right, you days. We'll do Las Vegas 
I'm not advertising Las Vegas. Yeah. This is no product placement. This is no product placement <laughs> at all. Cuban, you can't beat a Cuban Robusto. Cheers, old boy. Yeah, cheers, Phil. So round two, round two. bourbon. I won't say what this is, but uh, it's a bourbon, yeah. Ooh, that's nice. Oh, yes. So how often do you get in here? So in here, um, depends how often. It's inversely proportional to how often I'm in trouble with my wife. Um, no, joking aside, if I'm writing for the magazines or if I'm um, writing reports for NATO or, you know, I have my library here. So I'm not, I'm, I, yes, of course I use the internet, but I, I, I'm, you know, my, my degree's in history. I'm a trained historian. It's why I have a library because I like books. You, you do have a lot of knowledge. I remember the first time we met and I think we went, we went for a pint afterwards, didn't we? Yeah. Bought your pint and I was just, you were telling me about all the knowledge and I was like, Jesus Christ. I feel like a, a bit of an amateur, but like I'm not. I'm not like. To, to, I don't go into detail. So I, 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 you know, I was I was telling my girlfriend Chelsea today. I was like, oh, he's gonna ask me about this radar or something. I was like, I'm not gonna know. You know, well, like, why would I? I? Yeah, I know, but like you know, and, and like, the thing I get is, nervous sometimes. The thing is, and, and this is one of my, I've written a couple of articles about exactly this point, which is about we are as pilots, we're astonishingly arrogant people as a rule. There's a lot of very very uptight arrogant people in aviation uh, and a lot of them actually have my humble opinion have no right to be and people it's a aviation's a bit like cricket strange analogy right but cricket people you know professionals at cricket use their average right and their experience their batting average or their bowling average and their and their number of matches they played as a justification for how good they are and in the same way pilots a lot of them wave around the number of hours they've got as a as some sort of measure of how good they must be. Right. And like, there's not actually a correlation there because you could be a batsman in cricket who has an average of 45, but every time you bat, your team lose because you spend 45 overs, you know, acquiring 60-odd runs, mm. and your team lose by 100 runs because you've not scored quick enough. But you, on paper, look like a good batsman because your average is good. Good analogy, yeah. But you're not, like act it, yeah. you're not actually helping the team. And flying is exactly the same. You know, you can be a, a 20,000 hour 747 captain mm -hmm. um, who's probably landed the aeroplane once every four months for the last 30 years. Uh, in terms of actual pure, you know, in terms of, in terms of systems knowledge, you, you're up there. You know, yeah. you can probably fly yourself to any destination in North America without even using a flight plan because you've just done it. You know, that level of systems knowledge, of radar knowledge, of navage knowledge is all there. Yeah. At what cost to your ability to actually hand fly an aeroplane? Somebody once said something to me very, very profound, and he said, the only people in the world more arrogant than pilots are surgeons. Really? Yeah. I thought uh, it would be actors. No, no, actors aren't arrogant. They're just different. Uh, and, you know, wealth is, yeah, they have, a, they have you know, they can have immense wealth. And, you know, acting, I have an, an actual absolute respect for some of the people that act because ah, just, yeah, they, they, you, have to, you have to completely change how you behave uh, and the confidence, particularly, and I, particularly stage acting. You know, stage yeah, acting yeah. in front of a live audience. Absolutely. Um, that is... You, you know, have to get it spot on that. Yeah, like, I've done a bit of that when I was a lad. Oh, really? A bit of Amdram and stuff when I was a lad. But it's, it's a bit the same as going, standing in front of a conference of 500 people giving a presentation or... Or standing in front of a mass brief at TLT Nitex, where you've yeah. got maybe 400 air crew in the tent yeah. or in the hangar, and it, it takes a certain type of 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 not to say courage, that's completely the wrong word, but confidence. 
if you ever do that. But aircrew, we do have some very, we have some very odd people that think that because they've got ten thousand hours, they're brilliant. Uh, yeah. And there's there's a few there's a few maxims in aviation. One of them is well, aviation's full of them, but one of them is there's few things in life more dangerous than a one hundred hour pilot, other than a one thousand hour pilot. <laughs> Because their confidence is Because yeah, they yeah. think that 100 hours, yeah, I've yeah. cracked it. I, yeah, I, I yeah. can do this flying lark. I'm yeah. absolutely brilliant at it. And 1,000 hours, oh my goodness me. Now you know absolutely like everything. Because yeah, yeah. you've got 1,000 hours. But how many hours do you actually have on Chinook? Me? Yeah. I had 2,000 on Chinook. That's quite a lot. It's not. It's nothing, is it not really? No, no, nothing like what I should have had. I thought it was quite a lot. I no. think anything over 1,000 to me, it, it sounds like so, a lot. I only end up with 2,000 hours on Chinook because I spent two, I think five years on the operational evaluation unit. Right. So we would fly maybe 110, 120 hours a year on the OEU. Whereas on a, on a frontline squadron, you'd fly particularly towards, particularly in the noughties with, with um, Afghanistan, you'd probably fly 400 to 500 hours a year on a frontline front squadron. That's a lot. That's a lot. So... Um, the difference between us, on, you have to, to, to be on an operational evaluation unit, you've got to have a certain level of ability and credibility and experience because you're not going to fly that much. That's a yeah. given. Yeah. Um, and also then the flying you're going to do is, is, chances are it's going to be quite advanced flying. So a lot of the trials work that I did on the OEU was very, very advanced. You're mm -hmm. trialing new stuff, trialing new techniques. So you're doing stuff that isn't run of the mill. And, and it's quite often you're bouncing off currencies. You may be not, not flying for 30 days. And then you have to do a risk assessment before you go flying and say, actually, am I able, am I up to doing this quite yeah. advanced? No. Can I have an, can I have an airplane for an hour beforehand just to <laughs> yeah. get my hand back in before yeah. I then do something that's actually quite difficult just to make sure I'm happy with it? So the OEU, I mean, for, 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 for the helicopter OEU, because we taught the tactics course as well, mm -hmm. we would get probably half of our annual hours in the space of about six weeks. Wow. Which, was, which was a staff worker yeah, yeah. and then teaching on the yeah. tactics course. That wow. would be pretty much half our annual hours would be in a six-week yeah. to two-month period. And the rest of the time, you're flying for currency. And, then, yeah, and we were always going out in night currency and IF currency and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah, I've got 2,000 hours on the Chinook, but most people that of my vintage that stayed on the front line will have almost double that. Well, yeah, as I say, like a thousand hours, that that was like, I thought that was a lot, any type you have, but I didn't know. Maybe the, Chinook, maybe they do I, I tell you a thousand hours lightning is probably quite impressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there'll be a lot of half hour trips. <laughs> There's a lot of half hour yeah. trips in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, a thousand, you know, I, I did, what did I do my first tour? I could have got my logbooks out, actually. I've got, you know, I did something in the region of 700 odd hours on my first tour, mm. and I did, you know, the same again on my second tour. Yeah. And then I did, yeah, it works out about right, actually, about 650, 700 hours a tour. So a couple hundred hours a year on, on, on the front line and and then about 100 hours a year on, on the OEU. Which did you miss it? Um, yes and no. Yeah. So uh, there are some days where, you know, you look at, I mean, you look at recent events, you look at the dam. Yeah, you look, pretty at, cool. you look at the boys digging out. You think brilliant. I, you know, I saw JT and the boys go off the Caribbean last year and do the hurricane relief. Thought, yeah, yeah I like, I like that. Mm -hmm. uh, that's cool. You, the boys done good. I, I never did. I never did um, disaster relief on the aeroplane. Yeah. I mean, the closest I ever got to it, I was the the standby captain uh, on nine eleven. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You said that. So, yeah. so that was interesting. That was a very interesting day. But never actually launched. We we sort of prepped to go and do whatever we needed to be done that day. Yeah. But obviously we never got attacked, so we never got launched. Mm. Um, but 
so you look at things like that and part of you it, it tugs at you think oh i'd love to be involved that'd be great and then i look at the guys flying a, a chinook hovering over a dam with three three great big ag bags on thinking <laughs> i've done i've i've miffed, i've moved enough ag bags in my yeah. time in the Falklands and stuff that, yeah. like that I, I know exactly how dull and repetitive it is worthwhile absolutely and i'm sure the guys are getting a buzz out doing it but did you see the patch for that the dam fixes the dam fixes yes yes that's good no, i like that and that'd that, be a friday night patch if you wore that well why not oh, oh can they wear that like no yeah of course you can i'd wear that on a friday night yeah yeah i thought the best one i the best one i've seen recently though was the talking about the disaster relief ones in the caribbean where they turned around and had a pilot to the caribbean patch made and i thought that was brilliant that's that's great I yeah that's really, Never really seen good. that yeah pilots the caribbean yeah well done boys so yeah i miss that i miss the i miss being in the crew room i miss the banter I miss flying as a crew. Um, I miss I miss the two. I mean, on the OEU we flew as pretty much a constituted crew. So you flew the same people the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, one really funny. We we took this quite senior officer flying one day for the mm-hmm. on jump seat uh, on the OEU, and we we're like a constituted crew. We flew with each other all the time. Mm-hmm. So so we so the banter between us was absolutely vile, absolutely vile. It was really? horrendous. Oh God. And um, we went out, did a full full day of of bit of tasking, bit of training, bit of this, bit of that. We came back and this senior officer went into our boss, said, you've got to ground that crew. What do you mean you got to ground that crew? You've got to ground them. They hate each other. Wow. The, the things they were saying to each other. Really? They absolutely, and the boss just wet himself laughing, just said, no, no, no. <laughs> Those guys are the best mates you'll ever see. Yeah, yeah. They, but that's, that's how they are. So the banter was absolutely relentless and fierce between and do you think us. the banter is... Uh... Related into uh, the the civil world, or do you think it's mainly military that they well, get away with being quite crude? But everyone knows it's. I don't banter. know, and, and and I also don't use banter as an excuse to be rude. Yeah, I think that's yeah. You can get out and, of course. That's not fair. And you know the banter between us as a constituted crew that we were in the same office, we we're at desks next to each other, so we it was just like all day for us. It was. Yeah, you, and just the personalities, you know, we talked about personalities earlier on. Yeah. Just the personalities that we had at the time were just people that naturally ribbed each other. Yeah. That's how we, that's how we got, that's how we great, got I on. I think that's how you show your mates. Yeah. If you're like, absolutely. oh, you're great, by the way, it just wouldn't work with it. No, 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 no. Oh, it's horrible. No, no. And it, and it was, it was, <clears> we had a, we, and we got back and said, oh, we've had a great day today. It's been really yeah, good yeah. fun. <laughs> and this senior seriously said, you've got to ground that crew, they're going to kill each other. There's going to be an accident because they're yeah. going to fly themselves into the ground because they hate each other. It's like, yeah. <laughs> just absolutely brilliant well one topic I, w- I want to talk about with you and like you probably because you're on social media is like aviation on social media what do you think about it do you think it's a good uh, a cause for the good or do you think it can you know go into a bad territory right so so a caveat on that and that is that all I am is a spotter that did quite well at OESC so, right. so what you class yourself like? that's how I, class I don't myself. think other people would uh, yeah and I, I, you know i i am um, you know i was an aviation enthusiast you know i wanted to be a pilot since i was about five yeah um you know obviously I, I became a pilot i'm not sure i've actually advanced much from being a five-year-old since then <laughs> um but for me i never exp- you know you can talk about imposter syndrome and i i honestly had imposter syndrome for years because mm. i thought i want to be a pilot I'm never going to make it because those guys are really great they must work really hard. They must be really cool. Must be really talented. But so I'm going to give it a go. And, yeah. You know, I did a flying scholarship at 17 and soloed. And I thought, well, okay, so I've soloed an aeroplane at 17. Okay, well, fine. Maybe, maybe I can I'm actually as completely useless as I think I am. Joined the university air squadron for the bulldog. Did solo aerobatics and thought, well, maybe I'm not quite as bad as I thought I am. So all I am was, you know, I was an, I was an enthusiast, a spotter, an, av- an av geek, 
Look, my nav geek. Yeah. Um, You'll see some falls, folks. Uh, and at every stage of my flying training, I expected that I was going to fail, trip up, and I'd go off yeah. and, and do something more normal. And I got through, and I got through, and I got through, and I got through, and I yeah. got through. And almost nobody was more surprised than me the day I actually arrived at, at Shawbury yeah. on, on Wings Day and had a set of wings yeah, put on. I was like, wow. Must have been amazing, yeah. Wow, how did that happen? How did I get here? Mm -hmm. That's me. I mean, have I earned these? Can I do that? So, social media, aviation. Um, I was a, I wasn't a, I wasn't a particularly bright kid. I was reasonably bright, but I cop, I, I made a big, big load of mistakes. My O levels, which is what we, used, which were like GCSEs except harder, um, and it, it gave me a kick. I did much better in my A levels when I got into university. But all I was 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 a guy who, who, who loved aeroplanes, loved flying was immersed in flying, immersed in military history from a very early age. And social media is a is is fantastic because I think it, it you know, it gives people that I you'd meet, you know, I used to go and do a round of air shows every year. So, mm. you know, this is wallowing in nostalgia now. <laughs> but as a 15, 16 year old, I'd go and do Milne Hall Air Show, Heavenly. That was a great air show. Great air show. I mean I mean I mean one of the I can close my eyes, but I will close my eyes now. And all I can smell are oil drums cut in half, burgers, yeah. but burning burgers, yeah. and next to them another oil drum cut in half, full of ice and cans of Budweiser. I love that, yeah. And that to me was one of the most fundamental things about my childhood. It was just brilliant. So Mildenhall Air Show, Alconbury Air Show, Yeovilton Air Show, Upper Hayford Air Show. Yeah. You know, I'd, I, me and a couple of mates I had in where I grew up, we would get on a train at four o'clock in the morning, and end up at Upper Hayford at about ten o'clock, eleven o'clock. Get the bus up to the air show. Yeah, and you'd be yeah. on, you'd be walking around up at Hayford, looking at, you know, the F one elevens and all that sort of stuff, and it'd be just like brilliant. So, so absolutely, that's great. You'd see people, but you'd only see them at air shows, yeah. Because there was no such thing as Facebook. There was, you know, yeah, there was, there wasn't an internet. Say it, whisper it. Yeah, there wasn't an internet. Not back there was, then. <laughs> there was a time when there wasn't an internet. Um, so what it does now, I think, the communities now enable people to to be much more of a of a cohesive group. Mm -hmm. Um I'm a, you know I I sit there and I I I'm a bit of a voyeur on some of these groups on social media. I yeah. I pontificate on some of them every now and then when yeah. I when I get triggered. But <laughs> I think the, the important thing is it's it's a hobby guys and girls. It's a hobby. Don't take it too seriously and and every now and then you see somebody who 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 asks a dumb question. It's, and it's you know in aviation there's no such thing as a dumb question. Yeah. If you don't know the answer, that's why you ask a question. Yeah, it's not because you're you're stupid or you're lazy. You mm -hmm. you, you might just have forgotten it. You don't genuinely know because you've never been told. Exactly. So yeah. don't think there's any such thing as a as a dumb question. And I, and I, I really like it when somebody asks a question and they sort of I'm really I don't know. And people are kind and gentle. Yeah. And then when somebody sits there and rips them, it's like really is is that are you yeah. putting somebody down to make yourself feel good, or are you yeah or are you actually you're not actually helping here. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, for me, one of the reasons why I do things like this, one of yeah. the reasons why I was always pleased to take an aircraft to a static air show and stand in front and talk to people is that, you know, I'm really, really lucky. I'm the guy that used to sit at the other side of the fence and I got to do it. Yeah. I and think I, that's an enviable position. I think, like, because, like, a lot of the, the people who go to the air shows wish they were in your position. Mm. Whatever it is, it could be from, like, the small, you know, something like a Tucano pilot right up to Typhoon. Everyone wants to be. And that other side. Everybody of the fence. wants to be the side of the fence. Yeah. And I got very, very lucky. 
Yeah. I got the other side. And and I, I use I wouldn't say lucky though. No, you, but you have to use luck though. Yeah, luck's okay. so right. important, Mike. And the okay. reason why luck's important is because you could go to that air cream medical and find you've got a heart problem, right, yeah, yeah. a lung problem, an eyesight problem, a balance problem, a perception problem that in your everyday life wouldn't affect you. Never affects you. You've never known you've yeah. had it. Yeah. And you can walk into that first air cream medical and back in my day it was Big in Hill. Big in Hill, yeah. Back at Big in Hill. You walk in there and your dreams are completely in the hands of a doctor. Yeah, that's a scary thing. And Especially if you put every, all yeah, your eggs in one you basket. Put, you put all your eggs in one basket. You walk in there and the doctor <clears> says, <throat> you know, oh, did you know you're colourblind? No. Oh, sorry, son, you're colourblind. And it happens to people. Yeah, I've heard it that. It absolutely yeah. happens to people. You know, you do the breathing thing. And they say, have you got a history of asthma? No. Well, you've got asthma. Because your lung function isn't up to what it should be for your yeah. age, your size and your height. What about uh, eyesight in terms of... And, and did you wear glasses? No, I mean, now... Sunglasses? Nash. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, yeah, all the time. But, obviously. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but back in the day, I don't think if you had to wear glasses, you weren't allowed in. But I think Good now... Up. Are you allowed now if you get laser eye surgery? Does that class... I, I, mean, I honestly don't know. Right. Um, the rules used to be you weren't allowed in with glasses, but if your eyesight deteriorated once you're in the service, aircrew spectacles were accepted. Air so you could, spectacles. Yeah, oh, they were the so most, they, Oh, I bet they, they were, were lovely. Gro- top turbo gross. <laughs> I'm so glad my eyesight's still pretty good. Um, because some you see these people, they're like, oh, really? You're wearing those? Yeah. yeah. With a bit of tape in the middle. Oh, they're nasty, <laughs> nasty things. Um, yeah. But, but that, so there is an element of luck. Yeah, yeah. There is an element of luck. Uh, there's an element of being, um, timing is a, luck, is a luck thing as well. Timing, yeah. Timing is, and everybody that, you know, PMs me or says, yeah, I want to be a pilot. And, you know, uh, Tim's very good at this as well, these fast jet performance stuff, is timing is really important because you could be the best qualified, the most perfectly able pilot in the world, pilot aptitude in the world, and the Air Force don't need any pilots that year. And, 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 and it happens. And, uh, and, you know, back in 2010, you had a whole load of people who were just thrown out, who yeah. passed OASC, who passed... Cranwell, they were commissioned, they were on courses and they were thrown out because the Air Force didn't need them. So that luck has yeah. to hold, your luck has to hold. So, so when you going back to what we said about you know, being sent helicopters, you know, to Carnot's, yeah. frankly, I was still just amazed I was still, still in the game. Mm. And the thought of, well, it's helicopters, what do we do? What will they do? I have no idea. Yeah, you know, I've not even yeah. thought about helicopters because yeah. um, you weren't allowed to. Because that showed, like, you know, you weren't thinking about being a fast jet pilot. Yeah, always, yeah, yeah, that was the focus, goal. focus, focus, focus. But did the Air Force not say, so, okay, I, I don't know how it works, but, um, you know, January to June, we're looking for fast jet pilots. Or did it, did it, right, so... So it wasn't like that. So, obviously, somebody who's been at Manning and been in 22 group would have a much better understanding than me. Right. But as I understand it, right. what happens is there's a... At the end of every... So, uh, I'll use the example of my own my own end of course uh, role confirmation board or whatever it was at the end of at the end of Shawbury where you basically get 22 well what was at the time it was 22 group whatever so the training group come up they bring a representative from each of the operational conversion units will come up right uh, and they'll meet with the squadron staff mm-hmm. and every every graduating student is their dossier effectively is thrown on the table yeah. right this is this is candidate X these are his strengths these are his weaknesses these are his preferences, and then the the the, OC, the 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 various OCUs will have a yeah well yeah we don't think he's really suited to us because he's weak in that area 
the other OCU will say, well, we don't really want him because he's weak in that area. Yeah. And then there'll be a, there'll be some sort of consideration, like, well, for example, if there's a course starting next week, yeah, this is a guy who throughout his flying training or a girl who throughout his fly, her flying training has shown that if they have time between courses, they fall off a cliff. So actually, yeah. that person there needs needs we need continuity. Right. That person needs to start next month. Yeah. So what courses are starting next month? That aircraft type, and I think that, I think it's you know we're, we're down almost to two aircraft types per per role now. Yeah. We're not far off it. Yeah, pretty much. So you're yeah. down in the fast jet world. You're down to you know Typhoon or F thirty five. In the helicopter world, Merlin. you're down to well, the Merlin's gone. It's in the it's in the Navy now. So the Merlin's left, and yeah, Merlin oh. left a few years ago. Nobody in the Air Force misses him. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 <laughs> we know uh, Caroline Page loves that aircraft, so we'll, uh, we'll move on. From Sorry, Kaz. <laughs> yeah, Kaz, cheap, we love it. <laughs> cheap shot, but as an ex-air defender, you'll appreciate that. Um, but no, the Merlin, yeah, the Merlin's gone to the Navy. Um, right. But so, if you want to be a helicopter pilot in the Air Force now, you fly Chinook or you fly Puma. He was still in, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Puma too. Uh, if you're going to fly I know oh, that's the Navy, no, isn't it? No. Yeah, so yeah, if you're yeah. going to go and fly transport yeah, yeah. aeroplanes, you're going to fly first tour. You're almost certainly going to go to A400 or Voyager yeah. as a first tour, you know. And then you may go to depending what happens with SF, you may go to Herc later, or you may go to to 146. Yeah. Or you may go into the iStar world and and fly around in lots of really exciting circles. So, um, doing a very worthwhile job. Um, <laughs> of course. So, so you know, in terms of the OCUs, I mean, the multi-engine world's got the most variety. Definitely. So, at the end of a, multi, I imagine that a multi-engine dis, uh, roll disposal board, I think is what it's called, or a disposal board, at the end, at the end of a multi-engine course, is probably more exciting. Probably. Everything yeah. else is well, you know, how many Typhoon courses they run a year? Two, three. Yeah. So, yeah, how many F thirty-five courses they're running? Probably none at the moment because two hundred seven are still working up. Yeah. And and GR four stopped. So. Actually, Valley is probably quite a linear process at the moment, and yeah. it's probably bodies coming off the line being dropped in a Typhoon OCUs. Yeah. So that whole thing where you know when I joined when I joined the Air Force, you know, in 1992, in the fast jet world, you could still be roll disposed to Phantom, Buccaneer, oh, Jag, Harrier, Tornado F3, Canberra. God, oh, yeah, the Canberra. What time? Canberra was still there. Was that until two thousand or something? Something wasn't like it? that. Yeah. So, yeah it was... so, so actually, you know, <laughs> there were still six jets. So you could be. They would say, "Is he better as a mud mover? Is he better as an air defender?" Yeah, well, if yeah. he's an air defender, is he now better? You know, or the Phantom was just about dying. So is he? Is he F three? Yeah, he could probably cope with the F three. Is he single seat or is he two seat? Yeah, yeah. So all those variables came into play. Yeah. Whereas now, yeah, yeah. Whereas now, it's much more. I believe. When's the next course starting? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's REF's needs rather than the, the individuals. But it always has been. Uh, yeah, it always it has always been. always yeah. has been. But now um, probably more than ever, like you probably, it's, it's, I can imagine, if you want to go fast jet, you've got you know, F-35 or Typhoon. You know. And you're more likely to go Typhoon. Probably, yeah. Because the numbers game. Just simply the numbers it game. It's a numbers game, yeah. yeah. And, uh, but on that, on that note, uh, what would you, fast jet would you ideally want, uh, wanted to go on to because you said Buccaneer or Phantom Buccaneer but, or Phantom yeah but if you had to I'm going to pin you down on one <sighs> really difficult really difficult um, as an historian I'll probably have said the F4 right yeah because of the history rather. because of the charisma around the jet the history around the jet the Buccaneer was a fantastic aeroplane and I'd love to have flown it um, I flew the simulator once loved it great Do you have fun. any book mates any book yeah, yeah. Couple, well 
that was the, the, the one of the harder things was as the forces were winding down a load of the guys came off the force and started instructing onto Carlos. Yeah. So I ended up with flying with Buck and F4 mates through most of my um, Takano course. Yeah. And so I'd be doing low level in a Takano and this with a Buck mate. And he'd be saying, this is how we do it. And a Buccaneer would be like, whoa, this is really cool. <laughs> yeah. And then you'd be doing, going up. And I, I remember doing a, um, doing a, a tail chasing sortie with the, yeah. um, in a Takano. Uh-huh. With a couple of ex lightning and F four guys. Oh god! And yeah, we'd brief min speed. Yeah, we're not going to be we're not going to be below a hundred knots at any one stage, and we're doing we're doing we're not we've gone past tail chasing. We're now actually doing air combat, <laughs> and and I'm looking at the airspeed and it's winding down through ten, and I'm about to, I'm about to 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 bug out, and the voice in the back says, "No, stay in." So we're below hundred knots, sir. I know, stay in, stay in. <laughs> we're below hundred knots. Roll left. I can't roll, sir. I've got no error on authority. Use a booter rudder, <laughs> and, oh. and literally. So we we ended up having a you know. So, so if you're doing low level with a buck, mate, it was brilliant. Mm. If you're doing a not air combat, if you're doing tail chasing at medium altitude with a an F four mate or a lightning mate, it was also brilliant. Yeah. So you got the you got to, you got to fly with both sets of of people. The best of both worlds. Yeah. Best of both worlds, and that was yeah. And then you got went flying with a with with Herc mates who were. Interesting to fly with. Yeah, yeah. Some of them were very interesting to fly with. Yeah. So another thing, because um, yeah, we're on social media a bit, uh, but uh, um, you're are you more a uh, a member of like groups like um spotter groups, or is it like specific aircraft, or so the F four Phantom Group, or the F fourteen, or is it more generalised? Well, I kind of get invited into groups that I've never even flown. <laughs> yeah, you so probably I, get that a lot. But um, through mates of mates and stuff like that. Yeah. So I end up in groups and, you know, I, I'm a member of the F4 group. I think it's brilliant. There's loads of people on there that I know. Um, a lot of F4 navs particular came across the helicopter world helicopter rather, well, than, rather than fly yeah, the yeah. F3 because they still want to be able to turn. <laughs> uh, so you know, people like Kaz uh, mm-hmm. and other people came across the helicopter world. So we had a lot of XF4 guys mm-hmm. in the helicopter world, which was great fun, mm-hmm. really good fun. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, I, 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 I play, I play nicely. Um, I'll answer questions if I can. I think yeah, like oh. yeah, because you're obviously in our group, and I think you're respectful, and I think yeah, yeah, you put in your know, wisdom when you can. But uh, yeah, there's some groups uh, they can be a bit. Uh... They can be a bit chafing. Yeah, uh, they can be. Um, I don't know whether that's a comment on aviation or just a comment on life in general. Now people seem to have um, life. Ironically, we were supposed to become, you know, millennials are supposed to be quiet gentle you know love the earth love each other but a lot of lot of groups on social media not just aviation groups where you know if somebody smells blood that's it it's a feeding frenzy oh, God, yeah, yeah. and everybody piles in uh and you know the people are very very i'm gonna use the word advisedly precious about their hobby totally yeah and there's a lot of a lot of quite precious people that perhaps you know a lot of times um particularly after i've had a few sherbets <laughs> i sit there and i and I go on to ramp mode and I'll write this massive long post and I'll sit there and think before I hit enter you have to reread reread it do I mean that and I'm I often think about Lincoln and one of Lincoln's best bits of advice that he did was he said right he said I'll get something hacks me off yeah I'll write a letter about it I'll put it all down right at the person I'll write it the act of writing the letter gets it off my chest I then rip it up and I then write a much more measured second letter, which is mm. the one I actually send. Yeah. And I think sometimes the, and that's the beauty about letter writing. Mm-hmm. The beauty about letter writing is it buys you time. It's a bit like, 
in, in, in to use analogy to a weapon, a letter is a cruise missile. It takes a long time to get there, yeah. both in terms of drafting yeah. and sending. But once it's gone, you can't send it back, yeah. really. An email, a response to a post on social media is instant. Mm. There's instant gratification, and and, you, and it's very, and yes, you can delete it, but what people do is they take screenshots. Yeah, so you're busted. Away, yeah. So you're busted. You're if busted. you say if you say something really controversial or yeah. rude or outrageous, you're busted. Yeah, but it's also like I, I, I like I don't know if you're a fan of Ricky Gervais, and he said, um, yeah, in the past you had to write a letter, so you had to sit down, write it, and he's like, I can't be bothered. Whereas Twitter, you can or Facebook, you write anything. And you don't even mean it, and it's clicked, and it's out there, and you're like, oh. And then okay. you can't take it back. And then you're like, what have I done that Because for? you can you can cancel it, but somebody's already screenshotted it. Yeah, and, and as you know, aviation, it's a, it's a bit of a fickle world, and some people get, yeah, as you say, get really precious. But uh, I would have sort of, and <laughs> there's, this, there's this one bloke, I was standing in front of a Chinook at, I don't know, where was I? I think it was Waddington Air Show in sometime in sort of the mid to late 2000s. And um, this guy came up to me, the really weird, and, and uh, this is not a generalisation, but there are some some strange people in aviation. Oh yeah, but it's a broad church. Well, so I'm not one of them. We we, we yeah we <laughs> we're all I'm one of them. Yeah. We, all, we all just have our own little foibles. Yeah, we? yeah. And this guy, goes, oh, I know you, and I thought, I've no idea who you are. Oh, and he gets his book out, and bless him. He says, look, you signed my book at Riyadh at 99. What book was this? It was his, his little book that he took around to every air show. Oh, like a like And he's got a little signature book. book about, oh, right. And he said, there you go. Look, oh, there's, you. there's you. Riyadh, 99, stood in front of this air. Jesus. And, and I thought, that's brilliant. Cool. That's brilliant. I thought, mate, that is just the coolest thing ever. Yeah, but your shares on, yeah. That's <laughs> well, yeah, me. Yeah, of course, it's me, mate. <laughs> but no, no, but that's the sort of thing I really like. Yeah, yeah. And, and you, there is, so you don't need to, we're just we're just normal people doing this job. Most yeah. of us are. We, you know, yeah. we so we're just most of us are just lucky. Yeah, I, I've met some people who are just bloody good pilots. Yeah, and frankly, they are irritating because natural because yeah. they're just natural yeah. and you just how can you just do that so easily? Oh, it's really hard work. How can you do it so easily? <laughs> but there's very few of us. Very yeah. few aviators are natural aviators. I think that goes into all walks of life as well. Yeah. I think like I've always. I yeah, I think you said that, but like anything I want, I have to work hard. It doesn't come easy to me. Like I have to work hard, whatever that was, exams at school, um, this is what I'm doing now. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't come easy. I'm just like, oh, that's fine. I really have to work. And I think that makes it more worthwhile, but I, I always wish I was one of the talented people. It's just, you know, everything's... But then really I suppose you then have an expectation that you're going to do everything brilliantly. So if you always aim for mediocrity, then you're always pleasantly surprised when you do better. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got a friend like that. He's he's brilliant at everything, but he's just like can't be asked. And then he does something. He's like, oh, I did all right in that. Well, we had oh. a guy. I mean, no names like Pat Jules, but he'll know exactly who he is if he watches this. Who had never failed anything in his life. So he passed everything first time. Yeah, he never yeah. failed an exam. Never failed a trip in flying training. Yeah. And he came onto the tactics course, and he um and his instructor failed the easiest trip of the course, pretty much. Mm. Failed it. And he had no coping mechanism. Because he wasn't used to it. He wasn't used to it. He walked into the bar and we had a um, uh, we had an Australian on the course. In fact, I've got his flying jacket over there. We did a did a did a jacket swap at the end of the course. And this 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 poor lad walked into the bar and this big Aussie just turned around and said, "Oh, dead man walking." Somebody <laughs> somebody take his belt and shoelaces off him because he had no coping mechanism. If you yeah. if you you know, and I think Tim again and his and his fast jet uh, performance podcast did a, did a thing about actually you've got to fail somebody. 
at some stage yeah, in training. You've yeah. got to fail them for something, even if it's a hard call, because if because you have to learn how to accept failure. Mm. You have to learn how to accept it, because otherwise, if you the first time you fail is in combat, you're dead. Of course, yeah. You've you've not got a chance to refly it. So dealing with failure, understanding with failure, understanding that you will make mistakes, mm-hmm. is I think it makes us better aviators because it might it might just give you that little warn that little hairs on the back of your mm-hmm. neck stand up and say I shouldn't be doing this, and that saved my my life a couple of times hairs on the back of your neck going no, yeah you yeah. shouldn't be doing this this is not good because you've understood failure I suppose if you, yeah oh whatever I do you know I'm just I'm going to get, get away with this I'll be yeah, fine yeah. it's me I'll be brilliant yeah you end up at some stage you just fly into a hill and what like I mean. I've noticed this. I don't know if it's true, but it could be true. But people like yourself or air crew, after they're like... What do you mean myself or air crew? (laughs) What's the definition? And And air air crew, I should have said. And other air crew. And air crew. But you you always come out of your flying career and do something successful. Like you've got a successful business or you have a successful business. Is that just the mentality of being a pilot or a navigator or, you know, just air crew in general? Right. So I think back back to selection. Right. So um, there is a certain level of achievement you need. There are certain bars you have to hop over to get into the aviation world, Yeah. whether that's military, whether that's civilian, whether that's Air Force, Navy, Army, whatever. Mm-hmm. There are certain relatively high bars. So you are already, and this sounds really arrogant, I don't mean, to, mean it to sound arrogant, but you're already at a level of a yeah. achievement and attainment and potential. Yeah. And potential is the key word. So it's the potential that you're selected for. You're not selected at 18 as a sky god. Mm. You're selected with somebody that, that all the, the scores that you've got, your aptitude scores about keeping the dot in the middle of the line, so you've got eye-hand coordination, so that bit broadly looks like it works. You pass an interview, which means you can actually articulate, you can yeah. communicate with somebody yeah. in a meaningful manner. You've, you've had a, a, level of academ- a minimum level of academic success, mm-hmm. so therefore, yes, you can... You can achieve in exams because you've shown a degree of of success academically. Yeah. So at eighteen, all all the air force, all the military, or even an airline now, all they're assessing is aptitude. They're not assessing mm-hmm. ability. But that that aptitude will transfer across many other sectors. Yeah. So I, I think it the reason why um, a lot of aviators leave and are successful entrepreneurs. Um, and I work for um, do some work for a company called Two XL Aviation. It's full of entrepreneurial aviators, mm-hmm. you know, ex-Red Arrows, ex-Harrier Pilots, uh, ex-everything pretty much is up in that company. Mm-hmm. It's entrepreneurial. Why is it entrepreneurial? Because the guys are confident. They can speak in front of people. Mm-hmm. We don't, you know, we don't fall apart when we're talking in front of people, you know. Obviously, I'm sitting here talking to you in front of a camera, I'm a gibbering wreck. <laughs> you know, we yeah. don't we don't fall apart in front of yeah. in pressure situations because we're selected not to and we're then tra- on potential and then we're trained not to through many, many years of training. So then you're given the skills not to. So you're yeah. given the squ- skills. You're yeah, given, yeah. You're, you know, the Air Force, the military will take those basic raw materials and they will, they will, they will work with them. It's like to, polishing a diamond. It's polishing that's... a rough diamond yeah, into something, yeah, yeah. In something a bit more lustrous. Yes. Yeah. So is it a surprise that a lot of people leave the military and do quite well? No, because you're probably socially and genetically predisposed to do quite well anyway. Yeah. You've got to work ethic. That's not to say that people don't fail. And a serious point I would make on that 
is that you know the the the, the rate of of ex-aviators in their 50s and 60s ending their lives prematurely at their own yeah. hands is a serious issue. Mm-hmm.